and you are on the Game Trail Podcast. Perfect. All right, man. We're we're on line with Jimmy Hamilton with uh, Vortex Optics, and I've been trying to set this up for a while now. So we're definitely happy to have him as a as Vortex as a guest on the podcast here. And Jimmy will be talking and we'll be picking his brain about Vortex, and hopefully we'll get some questions answered and stories told and some laughs in there as well. <laughs> um, Jimmy, can you kind of tell us when Vortex got started? Yeah, I'd be happy to. It's got started technically the Vortex name. People didn't start seeing that until the year 2002. Um, but this family that's been involved in Vortex has been in the industry since 1986, really. Uh, been involved in a small store. It was a retail franchise store actually called Wild Birds Unlimited. Um, so, you know, you'd, you'd probably expect hearing something like Wild Hunting Unlimited with what we do now. Uh, but actually, back then, the primary was bird watching, and that was a pretty big market for us uh, way back when. Uh, which sounds funny to say in today's today's time where we are with Vortex, as we still do sell to bird watchers, but they have since been eclipsed in terms of the uh, proportion that they take up of our of our business, which now is taken up primarily by hunting and shooting. Um, right. So yeah, there was the Wild Birds Limited store. We had a uh, other retail store that we started ourselves after we branched off the Wild Birds Limited store that was called Eagle Optics, and then. We decided to just kind of start a optics brand, really, uh, and then 2002 rolled around, and there was Vortex. That's awesome, man. And what actually inspired you guys to change and go into that Vortex and making the company a little bit, I guess, bigger, or how would you say that? <laughs> uh, you, right, you, yeah. The, you kind of got what was saying. Never- Sorry. Yeah, I hear you. The idea was never really necessarily to get, uh, I mean, just to make things bigger. Uh, the idea was just to provide a way that we could really provide the ultimate service to the customers that we had. So being part of a retail store, um, which we've gained all the appreciation in the world for people who work retail, it's not, it's not an easy business to be part of. But being in a retail store, we were dealing with other optics companies uh, out there and um, other just companies in the industry in general that we were selling their products to the customers. And, um, you know, when you're dealing face-to-face with the end consumer right there in your store, in your shop, and uh, and they come in, they're looking for a product, or maybe they come in with something they've had an issue with or something that they've broken or whatever, um, we found ourselves then being the intermediary a lot of times between the customer and then whatever company that they were dealing with at the time. And, just kind of through doing that over and over, uh, saw a number that we just felt, hey, you know, this is something that we could do ourselves. Maybe we've seen some areas of potential improvement in the industry that if we made our own optics company, so to speak, you know, then we would be able to provide this specific type of a service or this this form of service or whatever that, that we just haven't encountered yet. And so... Um, yeah, we just kind of took the plunge. We've been doing a, a little bit of OEM manufacturing and stuff through uh, Eagle Optics had a house brand. So we were working, you know, with uh, some some designs and stuff like that that we had that we had worked on and then worked with factories uh, overseas to produce those optics. And so we had some familiarity with the process of developing an optic that we would then be selling under a, a certain name. And so um, rather than having it underneath a house brand, which was uh, also then a retail company selling other optics, um, and then also being a retail company, we were competing with other optics retailers. So rather than trying to put all of our gusto and energy and effort behind bumping up that internal house brand, which would only be able to go so far because, you know, what competitor of ours as a retailer competitor is going to want to then also carry their competitor's product. Right. So to make a new patch to one specific retailer, um, that's what we went for then with Vortex and we had more flexibility there. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's, that's where it came from. Just like I said, a desire to uh, provide the best possible service and then um, be able to do more different types of products and stuff. Uh, yeah. 
that's what happened. So <laughs> that's nice. Uh, how did you guys, uh, your guys' warranty, what you guys have that uh, lifetime warranty, I mean, it is by far top notch. You know, I, I had to actually use it on a pair of my binoculars before. And uh, the customer service with that and everything is just phenomenal. Um, could you elaborate a little bit on that uh, the warranty you guys have? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So we, um, <laughs> like I said, we've just dealt with so many customers coming into our retail stores and whatnot over time uh, that we felt <laughs> you see warranties all over the place that mm-hmm. were uh, restrictive as far as, let's say, a time period or, you know, five years or it didn't cover this one certain thing or uh, it was kind of a lot of hoops and jumps and f- flaming things to jump through just to get things taken care of. So when we came up with Vortex, we thought to ourselves, well, what's our warranty going to be? Because that's that's an important thing to consider. And we ourselves went through a number of, well, we want to have it be a really good warranty. We want to have people have a great experience with us. We want it to be very comprehensive, one of the better ones out there. And our answer just kept circling back to, you know, yeah, we can put in this restriction, we can put in that restriction, you know, because we can try and avoid people taking advantage of us in some way or another. Um, but, you know, ultimately, it's kind of like, that's all really tough stuff to enforce, so to speak. It's a lot of taking people's words for it and, and uh, you know, and that kind of thing. And And we realized that whenever you're doing that kind of thing where, oh, you know, do you have your receipt or did you get it from us originally? Did you get it from one of our approved dealers? Did you, uh, was it something that you intentionally did or, or, or not necessarily intentionally, but was it, was it your fault essentially? Do you have a warranty card? That's all just stuff that makes the person's experience more troublesome and just take a longer time. And they're already probably pretty bummed out that something's going on with their product that keeps them from doing what they love. And so our answer just kept revolving back around to, you know what? regardless of whatever it is, we're just going to take care of it. And it makes it easier for us, actually, uh, in many ways. Certainly, as people have brought up, there was a lot of people who told us we were stupid and that we go out (laughs) of business within two years. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of nerve-wracking nature to it because you wonder to yourself, well, it's a crazy world out there. Stuff happens. Are we going to be really just running ourselves ragged and, and... screwing ourselves over right. in a lot of ways for the future or is this going to work out you know and and ultimately is doing the right thing going to prevail because we truly believed also it's just doing the right thing and uh we're still in business to this day and uh you know not every single product that we've we've sent out like everybody always worries about the worry is that well what if all of a sudden everybody starts dropping their stuff off cliffs you know <laughs> um that 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 dark fantasy hair that dark nightmare hasn't happened and uh yeah all is all is well and yeah we just love taking care of people yeah i I mean you guys definitely do when i had to use it i just sent my binoculars in because they were so dirty and gummed i couldn't adjust the eye relief at all so i was i was hesitant to send it in to be honest with you because that's my glass you know i need it for hunting right so i was worried to send it in and i just finally bit the bullet i was like okay Got online, figured out what I needed to do, filled out the form, packaged it up, sent it off, and it didn't take long at all. And I had him back, and it was it was great. You know, I was like, oh man, this was awesome. I even called because I was worried, so worried about it. I called up, and I was like, yeah, I just I'm wondering. You know, and they're like, oh, everything's good, everything's getting taken care of. No need to worry. You'll get them back in time. And sure enough, before long, they're right there at the house. You know, packaged up, ready to rock and roll again. And it was right, awesome. That, so that's one that's one really cool thing that we've been blessed with is you know you can have on paper the best warranty in the business, but if you don't have great people to back it up, then you're you're up a creek. So um, you know that's another thing that uh, in in providing this style of service, you also then put the responsibility on yourself to have uh, people that work for you and uh, and training for those people that that allows them to carry out the type of service that you want to give people. And so, like I said, we've been blessed to have a great staff here and, and people who just genuinely come into work every day wanting to service our customers. It's, it's, it's whether it's somebody who's actually, like you said, on the phone with you, who's chatting with you or on the, on email, uh, or whether it's somebody, one of our technicians that they get trained up to be able to basically disassemble every single one of our optics from 
uh, full scope or binocular or whatever down to pieces and then all back together again in, in perfect working order. Uh, or just, you know, people like engineers, even accountants, whatever it is, everybody's here trying to make that uh, experience for people who interact with Vortex and use our products just that much better, easier, uh, zero headaches. That's that's the ideal the ideal situation yeah. for us and for, yeah. for our customers. I think for me, what uh, I started putting with Brian for Elk probably in 2007. And when we, we drew that year for Elk here in New Mexico, we he had a Vortex. I think what he had, the Dimebacks? No, it was the... Which ones were that? I can't even think of it. <laughs> anyway, he had Vortex, and I had, you know, the 1972 Grandpa's... Uh, Vipers. Oh, the Viper, I had yeah. The Viper, yeah. I had, you know, I brought my grandpa's, you know, 1972. I don't know what kind of brand they were for when you go to the game and watch a football game or a, a basketball game. So I brought those with me hunting. Of course, mm-hmm. they're heavier as heck and they're not really cumbersome. And I started looking through Brian, another friend of ours, they had a Vortex Optics and it was night and day. So I'm like, yeah, when I get back home, I'm going to buy it. And so I think that for a lot of us, you know, we're all blue collar workers or it's a whole gamut of workers, but you know, you don't want to pay a whole lot, but you also don't want, you know, sometimes you get what you pay for. And then, so I knew you made a good practice by looking through Brian's binos and then the way they feel in your hand is comfortable. And then the VIP warranty on top of that was just, to me, it was icing on the cake. Of course, at the time, we didn't know how it worked until he sent his in. And after you see that experience, you're like, well, yeah, I'm, I did make a good purchase. And I remember you saying something earlier, just, you know, people were going to be dropping them off the cliffs, but you know, a lot of us spent you know, there's still spent your hard-earned cash on it, and you don't just want to drop them. <laughs> I, I'm as care- I try to right. be as careful as heck with them, even though I know there's that warranty. And you know, I don't want to go out of my way to break them because it doesn't really solve anything. You know, but um, yeah, I've enjoyed mine for since 2008 is when I bought mine. Yeah, and, uh, we bought rangefinders last year for the first. I first time right. I ever had a rangefinder. I bought Vortex rangefinder, so I like it a lot too. Oh yeah, those things. That yeah, it's nice. Love that rangefinder. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, everybody always says things like the best warranty is the one you never have to use. And we completely agree. You know, we hope you never have to use our warranty. Um, and, uh, and, and like you said, even if you have an optic with a, with a warranty like that, it's not like you go out there trying to break it. Um, like every day I drive my car around, I have insurance on my vehicle. It's not like I'm driving my car around to crash it. Yeah, and exactly. You never, you never think it's going to happen. I actually was in a car crash one time. I remember, and I remember thinking to myself immediately, I was like, "I'm glad I have insurance." Yeah, right. And uh, I wasn't trying to crash it that day. It just happened. You know, somebody actually pulled in front of me, and I, I wound up hitting him. I couldn't stop. But, you know, it's, it is one of those things where just the world's a crazy place, and anything can happen. And even if it's not your fault, just stuff happens. And, and, yeah, it's, it's, uh, in our opinion, it's just, it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, and, and it allows us to, it allows us to really make a lot of people's days, keep people out there doing what they love. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fun getting to do what we do, um, <laughs> yeah, getting to make yeah. people's days and yeah, stuff I, like that, So, yeah, I think when you guys, you know, especially on Instagram is, you know, it's the vortex nation kind of quote that you guys use. And I think for me, that's what I, I think sells the product really well is that you don't feel like you're a customer. You feel like when you buy into the product, you're almost buying into the company, so to speak. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like mm-hmm. you have a stake in it and somehow and you feel like you're part of this, like a, a club more than you are just a customer um, between what you see on Instagram, between like what people have sent back to you guys, you know, from like a fire or whatever happened to their, their optics, you know, and it gets fixed or however you guys take care of it. And people are pretty satisfied with it. And I think, I mean, I like, I don't know how the guys can compete with that type of uh, customer service, you know? I think it's kind of hard to, to match that. Well, if we're making it hard to compete with, then I guess we're doing a, <laughs> yeah. a good job. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah you guys are. Yeah. I mean, every time somebody asks, like, what optics we're using, you know, I always tell them, oh, do Vortex. They're top-notch. You know, they're you got affordable prices on a wide variety of everything, you know. If somebody's kind of looking for a good pair of optics or a uh, – rifle scope, whatever, you know, we've talked to, I don't know how many buddies and got them to buy a pair of uh, binoculars, rangefinder, rifle scopes, everything, you know, because the experience and everything, what we have. So we even let them check out our stuff, you know, we let them borrow our binos, our rangefinders, 
and they go out and they're like, oh yeah, man, I'm, I gotta get some <laughs> yeah, of this. You get that a lot when you know, and then all of a sudden some... they're online and they're ordering yeah, up whatever. Yeah, they look through you know? the binos. Once they look through the binos, they're sold. They're like, oh, they're oh, sold. Oh my god, yeah. I can't believe what I could they're see like, I, these things. They <laughs> won't even look through their uh, binoculars anymore. You <laughs> they know, brought yours real quick. Yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. But um, anyways, I mean, you guys got a huge variety of like binoculars. You know, like right now we have mm-hmm. the ten by forty twos. You know, and there are certain times when we're out there in the field and we're trying to glass up and we could see the buck or the elk or whatever. And we're like, oh, there's one right there. But we just need that tad bit more just to be able to bring it in so we could actually start see on how big it is, you know, and we've been thinking of upgrading a little bit, you know. Yeah. I mean, in your experience, what do you what is your go to pair of uh, binoculars what you use when you're out in the field? So I'm in a vastly different environment than you guys are so you'll you'll have to take that essentially with a, a large True. grain of salt because um actually i use a set of binos that we don't even sell anymore um which is unfortunate when you when you work in an optics company many times um you know you hang around optics very frequently you you look through optics very frequently and you kind of know a lot about them and so you learn certain things you learn certain characteristics about optics or you learn of certain particular configurations that that are kind of the um the sweethearts of the lineup, so to speak. So we used to have a Viper HD 6x32, uh, which is 6 power, of course, which would not work for you guys very well, but it works <laughs> no. great around here in the in the thick woods of Wisconsin. Yeah. Big field of view, plenty of light gathering. So anyway, like I said, my, my uh, application is far different from yours. Um, out west, though, I'd say it tends to be uh, the 10x42s are a good bino for all around kind of uh, glassing and, and quick scanning of the country. Um, pr- they're still our most popular configuration of all of all of them, even uh, across every single line, Diamondback, Viper, Razor, Crossfire. Uh, every every set of binos we have, the 10x42 is always the best seller. Uh, it can do a little bit of everything, but to your point, if you're really trying to key in on, on one particular animal, you found it and you're really trying to get a good look at it, that's where kind of the 12 by 50s have have started to come on scene more. Uh, they've always been out there. They've always been a thing. But for whatever reason, it seems as though these days, and you know, I don't know if it's just that more people are talking about them on Instagram because they got an Instagram account now or what, but I see 12 by 50s <laughs> far more frequently. Um, and they're a unique binocular for, uh, I would not recommend a 12 by 50 again for people in my neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. If you're not seeing much beyond ever 200 yards because there's, uh, you know, thick tree cover and, and a lot of timber all over the place, then don't get a set of 12 by fifties. But out in the, out in the big country, it helps to be able to use a binocular like that. That's a little bit bigger, a little bit more magnification. Um, and, uh, you can, they're steady enough to handhold. So a higher magnification bino, this one thing that a lot of people underestimate when they don't get the chance to see through binoculars in the store or from a buddy before they buy them. Uh, the higher the magnification of the binocular, the harder it is to hold steady. Um, you're not holding it any more or less steady than you are a 10 by 42 or an 8 by 42, for example, but the fact that you're magnifying everything two, four, whatever, many more times than normal, uh, you're magnifying all those little tiny microscopic shakes that your body naturally has. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, heartbeat. <laughs> exactly, yeah, pr- precisely. So, a 12 by 50, I would say, is just on my borderline of I can handhold them and handhold them well. Um, and so they're a good vinyl for around your chest. But then also it is a great setup for a tripod too. So when you do have the chance to set up and sit and look for a longer period of time in glass, uh, then they go well on a tripod. And they, again, give you a little bit more magnification, of course, than a, like a set of 10s like we were talking about. Right. So um, the 12s are... 12s are coming on scene for that very reason. Um, one of the first guys I saw using 12s very effectively, and um, I remember at first when I saw him using them, I was like, what's wrong with those? They look bigger than normal. Um, but uh, it was Remy Warren with his Razor 12x50s, and uh, he's he is in love with those 12 power binos. He's been using them for a while now, and, and uh, yeah, so. Nice, and you guys sell those accessories to adapt the or to attach those but not uh, binos to the tripods too, right? You guys Correct. have all yeah, that accessories. Yep. 
For a 12 by 50, I would suggest our Unidapter is the one it's called. There's a regular binocular tripod adapter, but I find that that works better for the smaller objective sizes or mid-size objective sizes like 42s and below. The 50s, I tend to go for a Unidapter. Or there's other ones too. There's, um, oh shoot, there's the one that like everybody runs. It's like a quick release thing uh, that I can't remember. Those ones work well too. I'm totally blanking on the name, but uh, uh yeah, lots of, lots of good options out there, but we do offer some. Nice. Yeah, I mean, everybody out there listening, just check out their website, and you could just navigate through there, click on the icons that take you right to the accessories, and there's a whole list of goodies on there. You know, you even got the, the chest harness for your binos and all that kind of good stuff. So let's uh, yeah. uh touch base real quick on the, the range finder. You know, I was we just bought one, uh, what was last year, and yeah. then... uh. Or was it 2017? It was last year. Oh, okay. So it was last year. So, yeah. Anyways, well, I, I kind of noticed that you guys have for the uh, new for 2019 is that Razer HD 4000. Correct. That, okay. Yep. So I was kind of looking at it and you have the four different modes. So you have like normal mode, first mode, last mode, and extended. What exactly does that do? Right. So kind of another one of those things that you learn about optics and and all the the many little tiny details about them as you as you're in them for a while so for example range finders um a lot of people think when they shoot out a laser for out of their laser range finder to get a distance on a target a lot of people think that they're uh shooting out like one pinpoint beam and uh reminiscent of like if you have a little laser pointer uh, and you point it across uh, a college campus when you're a college kid and you're trying to shine people with lasers and do pranks and stuff. Um, not speaking from personal experience, uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, reminiscent of like when you see that laser project itself down, uh, down a, a distance, it's still a tiny little pinpoint at the end. Um, but in laser range finders, uh, what you're actually shooting out is kind of um, is like an ovular or, or sometimes circular shape. And so you'll hear the, t- the phrase beam divergence out there. And so um, when you shine that laser out at, say, a thousand yards or at, you know, a couple hundred yards, uh, it begins to diverge and actually kind of spread out a little bit over time. Um, now, I don't want to make it seem like it's something dramatic, like you're just shooting out this giant cone of light or something like that. It's, it's, still, uh, it's still relatively fairly pinpoint, but it does, it does begin to uh, proliferate itself over a distance you know, because it is shooting out essentially at an angle. And um, so anyway, let's say you're you're trying to laser designate a deer on top of a hill uh, or a deer that's in the distance on an on a, on a opposite hillside, but it's uh, behind some trees or it's next to a fairly large rock or something like that. With a traditional rangefinder, uh, that ha- doesn't have these modes, it might have a little bit of a hard time, especially if that deer is at a fairly long distance uh, and close enough to those objects where you actually might try to designate it and you're pointed at the deer, but the laser as it makes its way down to the deer because it's kind of spreading out over the course of distance, uh, it might start bouncing off some other things on its way to that deer that are in front of it, for example. And so in that case, you might you might get a return back that says, I'm just going to pull a number out of thin air and say that, let's say the return says 400 yards. So now everything that you've put into your plan from that point on is based on a deer being at 400 yards. But actually, uh, maybe the deer is at 550, for example, and that act- that that return you got was from a tree at 400 yards that was in front of the deer. Right. Um, so that would be a case where what we call last mode. So if I'm trying to laser range find a target or a deer that I know is sort of through some trees, through some rocks, through some brush, whatever, I would put it into last mode. So that way, uh, the computer that's receiving back the laser reflections is waiting until the last reflection that it gets to use that reflection as it's uh, as the one that it uses to give you a range. And the computing power of range finders is a, is a, huge, a huge thing that gets um, overlooked very often. A lot of times people just think, um, you know, well, rangefinder performance, the better the rangefinder, it just means it has a more powerful laser. Uh, well, that's not always the case. If you have a really powerful laser, but you have kind of a dumb computer under the hood, uh, deciphering all that data that the laser is coming back with, then 
you're not really going to have that great of a rangefinder. So the Razer 4000's internal computer is is very advanced, and so you can switch it to filter out a lot of noise. You know, so again, like I said, if you know a deer is beyond a, no, uh, a number of different obstacles, but you can still see it and range it, then you put it in the last mode, and so the computer will sift out all that noise that's also bouncing back to it before it gets to the deer. If you put it in first mode, uh, now let's say, again, that you have uh, a deer that you're trying to range, but there's a lot of stuff behind it. And you don't want the laser rangefinder to get confused and start giving you distances on stuff that the laser is bouncing off of behind the deer. Um, you put it into first mode, and then it's going to give you that first reflection back, the distance from that. Um, normal mode is sort of like it just puts it into the mode of like a regular rangefinder. So if you're not particularly worried about either of those things, you can just put it in normal mode, and it works just like any other rangefinder. Nice. Uh, and then the last is ELR that you mentioned. It's actually, it stands for Enhanced uh, Laser Range Finding, which I know is kind of confusing. It's the best name we could come up with, and you're always trying to fight trademark issues out there because everybody has a name for everything. Uh, but because it gets confused with some people talking about extreme long range. It is the mode I would use if I were ranging at uh, extreme or fairly long ranges uh, out to, say, the... Uh, capability of it at 4,000 yards, for example, on a reflective target, or if I'm ranging something that I know is just at a pretty significant significant distance. And what that does in that case is uh, you would shoot out your uh, laser, and then the rangefinder is going to take a longer time to give you an output on the distance. So rather than being that instant boom distance, uh, the laser rangefinder is going to take a little bit longer time, and it's going to build a picture essentially so it's going to be shooting out a laser transmission uh, and getting a lot of different reflections back and it's going to kind of build a picture in its computer brain and then give you a really really excellent and accurate uh laser range finding reading so essentially if you have a little bit more time that you can wait on while you're you know pushing that button and by more time i mean it's we're talking matters of uh seconds here split seconds uh, but if you can do that, then you can get a really accurate range, or you can allow the rangefinder to um, range at a little bit longer distance, for example. So, well, I think anybody will still kind of have that extra bit of time, considering if something's out there that yeah. three thousand yards. I think it's going down know? that fast, and it's probably going to get a chance to range it anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Generally speaking, anything that's out of the super long range or that you have more time to range, you know, uh, it's 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 probably not going to be a huge difference if it takes an extra second yeah. so yeah exactly yeah. I, I have a question this is a change the subject because i know you look familiar do you run most of the like insta stories on instagram and post the social media stuff uh i used to be on there uh quite often um <laughs> actually i do run a lot of the social for our our own vortex nation podcast instagram page but uh yeah, I used to be on the main Vortex Optics Instagram account quite often. I'm still I'm still on there from time to time. Uh, we've since hired a couple more people in our marketing department, and um, that that's continued to grow. So there's a couple other people who are on there pretty frequently. There's there's always somebody from Vortex on there. We we like to try and stay on there pretty much all day. You can you can oh, reach yeah. out and pro response, but uh, it's not <laughs> me as much as it used to be. Uh, I had a lot of fun, but I had to I had to eventually kind of let a couple other people take the reins because there's, there's a lot of other work that needs to be done around here. So Yeah, there's certain ones that just crack me. Other, uh, some of the funniest ones were in the clips are walking around and like the ATF guy pops out of nowhere and the, the yeah. high round yeah. clip guys freak out and they start taking running off because the ATF guy popped up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Those are funny we, as heck, like to man. have We'd like to have fun around here and uh, and hopefully bring other people in, our followers and stuff, in on some of the fun, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you really do a good job. I, I laugh. I, mean, I kind of look forward to seeing like what's been posted on there just to see what crazy things you guys are doing out there. If you're not making some weird type of pizzas in the pizza oven or the right. that oven, you guys do all <laughs> sorts of crazy stuff in there. <laughs> right. You right. have your own recipe book for that thing, <laughs> for the toaster some oven. Some people brought that up. Yeah, we oh, probably right. should. There's been a number of things. I the, the problem is I don't even remember some of the stuff I've cooked on there. Sometimes people will say, like, oh, remember when you made that? And I'm like, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still looking forward to the, the bullet cam. I never saw that come out. <laughs> oh, you didn't see the bullet cam? Yeah, no, I, I, I like, saw it. And I was like, we were. I think we watched the video when it first came out, you know, this big announcement. You're like, 
oh my god saying, yeah. they did it you know <laughs> and you're like wait a second i don't think this is real <laughs> right yeah but now we got to actually try and develop the real thing i know for sure, yeah, so right? i guess for the bad sure. side of it i can't <laughs> yeah. do those uh, you imagine that thing would be wicked <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be pretty incredible you never know the future uh the future is still still yet to be seen oh, yeah there's a lot of stuff to discover still yeah <laughs> I, I was telling that to a friend of mine the other day about Vortex. They're like, oh, it's only for hunting. I'm like, well, no, it's not. You know, um, we, we kind of joked a little bit about, you know, when it was used for looking for birds, you know, for the, the guys that like to do that kind of stuff. But that's still yep. in reality, a pre- you know, it's still a real thing. And like I said, you, you don't have to be a, a hunter. You don't have to be, uh, you know, a guy that's really into firearms and marksmanship. You can be, you know, the guy that, goes to the baseball game and wants to watch, you know, be right up next to him when the ball gets hit and uh, watching yeah. game in general, you know, it, it, I think you cover yeah. everybody. And I was telling you, it's not just, you know, for that, that group of people, they, you know, whatever you need to buy those for, why not buy them, you know? Exactly. Yeah. If you've ever been on your camera phone and you pulled out your camera phone and you took your two fingers and you zoomed in the image, yeah. then you have been a user of optics and you can appreciate the fact that sometimes in life we just like to see things up a little bit more closely so yeah. oh yeah and then with that field of view man it makes it nice you could just see everything <laughs> <laughs> i've yeah, watched a couple yeah. of shots from brian here on some hunts with the vortex and it's oh, funny because we're all i think one was a 20 yard shot on an elk and the other one was about shoot about a 30 yard shot on a on a buck well, it was like 15 yards. 15 yards, and I watched it with my binos because <laughs> I wanted to see up and close. I wanted to see this thing hit, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't want to be yeah. with my naked eye. I want to see this thing right up to his chest and see what happens, you know. And uh, yeah. it's been pretty cool to watch it when it's that close. I couldn't – obviously, I wasn't recording it. It been really cool to see that recorded. But... Yeah, he's telling me how that kind of – he's yelling at me because was, I was taking my time on shooting it, right, and this deer is just standing right there in front of us. And so I finally shoot, and he – I look at him and he starts dropping the the binos, you know, and he's like, "Oh man, I all of a sudden all you can see is red, you know, because he was so close." <laughs> well, on it's it. funny, was sometimes like, when you like, shoot, yeah. some, you know, when you're out there hunting, sometimes when you shoot, if you're with a buddy, sometimes you have to reconfirm it with your buddy, like, "Did I get him? Are you sure? Are you sure?" And he's asking me this question. I'm like, "Dude, I'm looking at this with my binos. I saw it." <laughs> Hit the vitals in air. I saw everything happen at like close range, like two feet away. It seemed like. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. It doesn't always have to be at super long distances. No. No. And we do like looking for elk sheds a lot. Of course, we we suck at uh, glassing up sheds from like two canyons over. There's some guys that can do it. We just yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah. we're just not we're those not guys. Um, I usually use them to confirm it before, like at, like thirty yards, make sure it's not a stick before I walk thirty yards over to <laughs> find a stick. Right. And, um. It's funny, just, I, I've glassed so many sheds from like 30 yards away just to make sure I don't make that extra 30-yard walk over in the wrong direction for something I don't want to pick up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you can use it at close range too. <laughs> you sure can. Yeah, absolutely. There's people who, uh, it's a very small niche market, but there's people who use them for butterfly watching. Oh, and they need to, the, that's, that's why you see actually some people get uh, pretty bent out of shape uh, or really into the close focus of a binocular, which usually is somewhere within 10 yards. Uh, many times much closer than 10 yards and uh, yeah people will people will use their binos to get a good close look at a butterfly that's five yards away yeah right yeah no i've i've never done that but shed hunting though i have gotten pretty close just to make sure yep not walking by something that i I will regret later on so yeah so speaking of like the binos and that long distance you know looking over canyons and um for sheds and stuff like that spotting scopes I know uh, we, I have an old, I think it's a Bushnell. It was like my grandfather's. I never use it because looking through that hole, it's so tiny. You mm. know, it's, it's an, it's an old, it's an, it's very old, you know? So we haven't been able, we haven't got into the, the new uh, spotting scopes yet. We've been talking about it. We just don't know what to get. There's so yeah. many out there, you know what I mean? So, um, when buying a spotting scope, what should someone actually be looking into um, before they make that investment? You know, and you kind of get what I'm saying there. Because if I went out and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to spot game, I use it for shed hunting. What would you recommend would be a good spotting scope to kind of start off with, and then go from that? 
you know, I know you guys make the angle to make the straight, you know. Right. So, yeah. What's the difference so, and what's the best one for something like us, you know? So, the uh, the thing with spotting scopes is that they all are used for essentially the same thing, which is, you know, kind of like you said, it's it's looking at extended distances and really pinpointing something and looking at it up close and, and bringing it in up close. It's not used so much for scanning. That's what your binos are for. It's more like, okay, I found something and I really want to see what that is or, you know, what it's like. And that's where your spotting scope really comes into play. Um, I shouldn't say 100% it's not used for scanning because there are some people who do scan at really long ranges with spotting scopes, but less so. It's it's really kind of more of a pinpoint um, style optic. So uh, all of them are, are used for that, that thing. And so if you look at our lineup, for example, I mean, um, all the spotting scopes have very similar magnification ranges. They're similar somewhat in overall size. Um there's an angled and a straight version of each one. So a lot of, it, of what it boils down to is kind of understanding what you want to do with it and then kind of uh, how much that thing that you want to do with it is is worth it to you to be able to do. Um, because in a lot of different kinds of optics, you're going to get a diminishing marginal return, uh, which is one of the economics phrases that I learned in college as I, as I got a major in that. But uh, basically what that means is so look at binoculars, and when you go up, uh, let's say you go up $100 in binoculars at the more entry-level price point. $100 within you know that entry-level category is going to get you a very significant bump up in optical quality and performance. Uh, next, you go up to that mid-level area of binoculars, and $100 more is going to get you probably a little bit of a noticeable difference, but it's not going to be huge. And then when you start getting up into that really premium, high-end level binocular, if you spend $100 more, it's not really going to be super noticeable. Maybe to somebody who spends a ton of time behind the glass, maybe they'd be able to just really pinpoint some tiny little differences. Um, but that's where your diminishing kind of returns happen. Uh, spotting scopes are kind of a little bit of a different story though. It's kind of like if you spend more money on a spotting scope, it's just going to be very proportionately better. Um, and so you look at our, our own entry level scope, uh, is our diamondback spotting scope. And uh, I say our entry-level spotting scope because it is the entry-level to our line, but by no means would I consider it a, a cheap or or really entry-level price point. Actually, they're still about four to 500 bucks, so it's, it's still a nice spotting scope. Um, you know, but as you move up the next, uh, you know, say 400 bucks to the Viper HD, that's a very big significant step up. Yeah. And still, again, two spotting scopes with very similar magnification ranges. They're both going to be that kind of 20 to 60 power. Um, but just the Viper is going to be a better optic. So optically, it will perform you know, better low-light scenarios, just better color fidelity, resolution, field of view. Uh, all those things are going to get a little bit better. The only real like feature difference is that you get a helical focus on the Viper HD, which is a little bit more streamlined when it fits in your pack or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and then again, you jump up another four, four to six hundred bucks, depending on the model or, or whatever it is. I can't actually remember it immediately off the top of my head, but to the Razer HD. And yet again, you're just getting another big bump up in that optical performance. Um, that, depending on, again, like I said, what you're going to be doing with it may or may not be worth it. Um, if I'm going to be glassing for, let's say, Coos Deer in Arizona and I'm glassing cross canyon and I really really need to be able to make out very subtle differences between what could be terrain and what could be an, a deer standing right out there uh in the open or perhaps a deer standing in the shade or something like that then optical quality is going to be a pretty d- big deal for me and so maybe I'm into sort of the idea of investing in something like a razor or maybe a viper HD but if I'm just kind of casually going to be bringing something out to the field with me, something that I want to be able to zoom in on what I've found with my binoculars, um, either for a confirmation or to get a closer look, then the Diamondbacks or, you know, if I if I just kind of like nice stuff and it's within my budget, the Viper HDs would be a good choice for me. And you wouldn't really need to go with a razor in that case uh, unless you absolutely wanted to. So a lot of it, like I said, kind of comes down to uh, how um, extreme you kind of want to get, how much 
value you place on the activity that you're going to be doing with it. Um, you know, how casual versus, like I said, kind of intense you want to be with it. So, um, that's what it boils down to. But, but a lot of times they're, they're very similar features wise and you know, magnification wise and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, for guys that are listening, I think that's a, the, <clears throat> for guys that draw the, we have some draws here that are sport or a point restricted. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, a unit that we have, uh, if you draw a particular hunt, it has to be an elk, a bull elk with a six by on one side, which you know, a lot of listeners, including yourself, maybe think like that should be easy to tell. But by the law, if it's just, I mean, if it's barely splitting, that's technically a six by. Yeah. And so when you're, you know, when you draw this, it's hard to draw in general, but yeah, when you draw that uh, point restricted hunts, I think that helps, you know, decide whether it's worth chasing after or not. You know, you don't want to chase an elk down and find out that he was a five by and you thought he was a six because you couldn't see that split or vice versa. Sometimes, you know, like, ah, it's not worth it. And you find out later on, or, you know, if you had, I've seen some bulls out there that are just barely splitting, but it qualifies as a six by when they're in those, uh, those units that are point restricted for deer and elk. You know, we have a lot of that stuff out West. Right. Yeah. And in those cases, you know, if, if somebody's going into that, if it's a, if it's a tag, that's relatively hard to get. And if it does have that kind of, uh, in that case, like legal, component to it where you could be up a creek pretty pretty bad if you find yourself on the wrong side of the law there you know then somebody like that might might want to invest more in a spotting scope that's going to be able to really determine what they're looking at and and confirm whether or not it's something they can or want to pursue and so you know that's where i may i may suggest hey if you're if you're still kind of unsure about this and you don't you don't feel as though you have the means to afford the absolute top of the line um because obviously if the stars aligned right and everything were perfect and everybody would just be getting razors left and right. Um, but if that's the case, I'd say then you still may though want to get something like a Viper HD um, just because it's going to have that much better optical quality uh, than something like the, you know, the Diamondback, for example. Uh, and, and obviously um, what it could be helping you find uh, could be the difference between uh, a hefty fine or, or just, just, in general, like a, yeah. a, a bad feeling in the pit of your stomach and uh, a great hunting trip. So, yeah, because yeah. uh, we, we've looked into the spot and schools. We've been talking about buying one for years because we're constantly hunting together, you know, from elk, antelope, deer, you know, and you know, we're like, oh, man, I wish we had that spotting scope because you'll see out there in the distance, you know, all the antelope. But, yeah. you know, you're like, well, if yeah, we had a spotting yeah, scope, we could tell, you know, on yeah. if it's actually going to be a, a, a buck, buck what we want to go not. after. Yeah. You know, yeah, and you're just like, oh, man, we just need to get one. We need to get one, you know, and it's just it's an investment. And we just don't know quite sh- what yeah, one will we We need have a lot of after. guide friends and they'll say, oh, you guys, you know, are just hunters. Unless you're guiding, you don't need a spotting scope. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, especially when you look right. at your your line. Um, the vortex line, the Dynafax, I mean, in reality, I mean, you have binos that are more expensive than the entry level, uh, spying scope. And if that particular, you know, spying scope gets, makes the difference between a successful hunt and a non-successful hunt, then it's, then it was worth the money, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, what is your most kind of, I don't know if you have like a pop, your, probably your most popular, um, spying scope, you know, that one offhand or. Man, it'd be hard to it'd be hard to say because there's two kind of there's two ways we look at products around here. You have your most popular as far as kind of being like a flagship or a halo product. So you know, let's say if you looked at the company, I, I'm a big car fan, so a lot of my uh, analogies or, or references go back to cars. But if you look at Ford, anybody would say, well, Ford's most popular car is the Mustang because you know everybody thinks of Ford and they think yeah. of the iconic Mustang. But really, the one that they sell the most of, that's in many ways then the most popular, is probably like you know, uh, the Explorer or something, who knows what, but, um, you know, so there's, there's two different ways of looking at most popular. I'd say as far as what we sell the most of, it's probably going to be in that Diamondback line, uh-huh. like the 20 to 60 by 80 angled, um, is, is what a lot of people get. And again, that's just because it's affordable. It's, it's a great optic, uh, 20 to 60 by 80. Uh, everybody loves to get the 80 because it's, uh, it's bigger. So there's also a 20 to 60 by 60. So it's a little bit smaller objective size, but you know, everybody likes to get the bigger stuff. And, uh, and really there's not a huge weight difference between the two anyway. So I can't really blame them. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that price sells the most units, but most popular as far as kind of like one that a lot of people, 
uh, sort of want to get, uh-huh. uh, I would say is the 27 to 60 by 85 razor. Um, that one is a, uh, that one is a really incredible optic, a uh, very cool optic. Um, it's at the, that top of our line. Um, that one's, that one's pretty neat and, and, and it does sell well for sure. Uh, a lot of folks who are kind of more in that extreme mountain hunter style, uh, situation will, will be in that razor line. Um, if somebody is kind of a, a backpack hunter, I might not go with the 85 though, even though a lot of people look at that as kind of obviously, again, like I said, being the biggest. So it's the one that they think is the best. Um, but if I'm going to be a backpack hunter kind of guy, uh, really trudging in far, far distances, I might go with, uh, at most the 65 millimeter razor, um, which does slim down, uh, quite a bit from the 85 and it will save you uh, quite a bit of weight. And, um, you know, so that's that's a good option. That's a 22 to 45 on the magnification. Um, still, absolutely plenty of magnification, uh, more than double of what most rifle scopes have. Um, and then, if you're real crazy into the lightweight stuff, there's the Razor 11 to 33. Kind of a little bit of an oddball in our spotting scope lineup, but it's got a cult following amongst the ultralight guys. Oh. <laughs> it's a super tiny little spotting scope that still gives you up to 33 power and great Razor esque optical quality. Um, but yeah, that super slim, tiny package. Gotcha. Yeah, and no, I, I, I think what's cool is you just have a wide variety of, of stuff out there, and I didn't even thought about that. Like the guys, there's some guys that usually like to to use the spine scopes from the roads up into the hills and and kind of make their plan from there. And there are some guys that like to hike way in there and find a glassing point and start from there. And of course, you want to be carrying something heavy and bulky or something. That you can yeah, we have lighter. a couple areas. Uh, well, we hunt like for Ibex and then the, the Audad, the Barberry sheep that you pretty much have to sit down on the road and you have that spotter. And then the, you sit there, you spot them from a distance and then the hunter will go in and then they have to communicate to try and walk that hunter in. But you always have that guy way off the mountain, just, you know, spotting them in. They're all set up in their lawn chairs with them spotting scopes, you know, from that distance, kind of glassing them up, you know, because yeah. there's no other way to really find those suckers up there on that mountain range. Yeah, they blend in so well. <laughs> yep, yep. So, and that's all things what we need to look at and consider, you know, on the different type of spotting scopes, what we need to look into, but yeah, never know. <laughs> help us out. <laughs> I've always been horrible at glassing up animals, and this year... We, of course, it's not even hunting season yet, but we go out setting game cameras up and already starting looking around. And I've actually glassed up more animal this year than I think I've ever had before. Because I think it's something that has to do with patience. I don't have a lot of patience. <laughs> oh, patience, yeah. and I like drinking a lot of coffee. And I'm like, I don't think the ghosts two go too well together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to keep going, see if we get closer to a hill. Yeah. Uh, real quick, uh, you guys on your Vortex Nation on your uh, on the website, when you go down in there, it you click on it. And it takes you like to military law and guide and outfitter. Um, now that's a program what you guys offer, correct? Right. Yep. We do indeed. So with the military and law, uh, law enforcement, uh, public safety, is that, that's all included in underneath that one, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So military law enforcement, veteran, first responder, guides and outfitters i'm probably missing some um so uh but what we do is um to make it a little bit so normally our our company we don't sell uh normally direct to consumer so if uh you know joe bob whoever uh wants to come in uh they can actually come into our showroom and buy a product at our showroom if they happen to be in town southwestern wisconsin uh but otherwise there's not like a add to cart function on our optics on our website and that's just because we go dealer direct um you know but we do have this mill le and you know all these other folks program and so what we've done is since our website isn't set up to do kind of an add to cart and direct buy function just yet uh hopefully someday it will be we actually work through a third party uh, company called expert voice and uh you may know them formerly as experticity and then formerly then as 3.5 or promotive uh, but either way, we work through them. And so folks that are, you know, within that criteria can sign up for an account on there. Uh, we offer then our platform through there. It's it's the 40% off MSRP. 
on everything that we sell. Um, and then folks can, uh, folks can sign up and then, and then shop there. And, and they have the, uh, they have all of our products on there. You can add them to your cart and then check out whatever. And, and it's a pretty easy process. So, yeah, what I was thinking about, and Brian mentioned it, but we're firefighters and we've used the first responder program with Vortex. And I think it's really cool that you guys reach out to the, the, you know, the, the police and fire and military and offer that deal with, uh, with the guys that, you know, that, uh, you know, the military that sacrificed themselves and then police and fire that are out there hitting the street. When we hit the streets running hard at the station we work at. I mean, so it's kind of nice to have that, uh, to have that, that program for all of us out here, um, for all the police officers. We have a lot of firefighters that listen too. <laughs> That's yeah, most of our awesome. base right now. <laughs> right? Awesome. Yeah. It's the least we can do for those folks. You know, they do a, they do a ton for us. And so, you know, we want to make sure we can pat them on the back and help them out as best we can as well. That's yeah, I know awesome, it's nice because uh, kind of the station that we work at, we don't really get the pat on the back. <laughs> we work in a rough part of town. Oh, really? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not com- or it's common to run about, what, 30 calls? We work 40-hour shifts, and we'll run like wow. 30 calls on average in a 40-hour shift. And there's guys even further down that are running you know, 50 calls in 40 yeah, hours. Yeah, 40, 50. So yeah, so. Yeah, you hit the wow, gr- You busy. walk in the station, the tones are going off, and you're out the door, and you may not eat breakfast till, you know, tw- noon, one o'clock in the afternoon sometimes. That's <laughs> not uncommon. So. Yeah, that's wild. You no, know, it's crazy. I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand how busy the fire, because they think fire, but they also don't realize that we answer emergency medical calls too. Yeah. And so right. between both of those, it's just. Uh, any metropolitan is just chaotic. It just, you get, you start going right away. <laughs> so I think for us, I, I mean, I'm thankful that that program is there. It's, it's kind of, it's a nice yeah, pat on the big... back without having someone actually pat you on the back. <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. So thank you for doing that for everybody out there, you know. So uh, on that, you know, like everybody, uh, if you guys don't know about Vortex, you guys can always uh, look them up online at uh, Vortex Optics. Um, they're on Facebook, um, YouTube, Instagram, Instagram, Vortex Nation. Is that correct? The account is just called Vortex Optics on all those, but we do oh, okay. the kind of hashtag Vortex Nation, you know, on, on most of our posts and stuff right. like that. So, And then gotcha. you guys, you run your own podcast. I'm sure you guys talk everything from well, obviously yeah. optics, but anyway, from probably ballistics with optics and all sorts of stuff, I imagine. Yeah, we try. Uh, we we try our best to make our podcast not like a. Uh, if if you listen to our podcast and you feel like you got hard sold anything, then we we pretty much miserably failed. So uh, <laughs> we try to keep it. Uh, we try to keep it pretty cool, pretty light. Um, we do talk a lot about optics and shooting and hunting and stuff like that. Uh, I might reference our products occasionally, but but in the end, you can. You know, Vortex isn't the only optic that you can put a deer down with or shoot a target with a long range. We we understand that. So, uh, more just uh, more just fun and and educational entertainment, hopefully. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. sure. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then uh, the other one too is uh, so there's the Vortex. What's the other Instagram account for the for the podcast? Right? Is that the? Oh yeah, that that one is called the Vortex Nation podcast. Okay. Then. Yeah. So, yeah, you can find that on Instagram. Yeah, so for guys that are listening, you can tune into that and see when they post over there too as well so yeah all right yeah we appreciate jimmy for taking time out of your day to to hang out with two uh blue collars here (laughs) oh it's always a pleasure thank you guys for having me i appreciate it no problem man thank you yeah thanks for for uh taking your time appreciate it anytime Mm -hmm.